Hi, this is Pam and this is Must Love Food. Thanks for joining us today. We have our holiday winter issue hot off the presses. And so we are excited to share, uh, kind of run through that with you. And wasn't sure I was going to say this at the top end or the bottom end, but we are going to be hanging up our headphones on this podcast. We might come back um, intermittently to do some issue run throughs. It's not something that uh, staffing can keep up with. And so we thank you for being on this journey with us for um, the time you have been. And um, hopefully you are excited with your issue in-house or soon to be. And um, so this will be a nice little sneak peek. So and we might go a little fast, and I've got John and Robin with me, and um, so we're just going to kind of dive in. It is one of our expanded issues, so there's chock full of content. And I am just going to move right into, oh, you know what, I do want to just say one thing. Our social page in our Ed Letter this time, we never really talk about this, but this is, um, I was really excited about what we chose for this. John had mentioned doing something along the lines of um, the Proust-like questionnaire for your last meal. Who would you like to eat it with and what would you like to eat? So on our social page, we all get into that. And um, so I would say definitely um, put your eyeballs on that page this time because it's really fun. And it. Um, I think we all enjoyed really thinking about that. I'm going to kind of run through tips real quick. I mean, unless there's is a one that you'd want to point out, Robin, or? Yes. Okay. I'm going to point out the first one, the pumpkin pie. Um, you know, pumpkin pie coming up soon, like in mm-hmm. real soon here, we're going to want to make those. You know, it's a, a trick not to spill that filling when it goes into the oven. And so simple. You just don't put all the filling in until it's in the oven. You save a cup of it out, put that pie yep. in, pour the rest of it in and, put, and close that oven door and you're good to go. And I thought, well, duh. That it's is- like a water bath. It's like when you do a water bath, you pour in the oven so you don't slosh it all over yeah. the place. Yeah. So how many times have we juggled, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the filling the pie and like, don't spill, don't spill, don't spill. And I thought, well, that was just an aha moment. I thought, kudos, kudos, kudos to Cecilia for sending that in. I was, um, you know, it was a it was a good tip, and it was just um, so obvious. Once I read it, I thought, well, this is so obvious. Yes, of course, I love it, um, and it worked. It worked really well. So, um, thank I think you. All good tips. I truly do. But I want to call that one out, especially because we're just right up there on the verge. Of we are. Of yeah. Yeah. Thanksgiving. So, um, but anyway, read them all because there's a lot of good stuff in there. The the cookie tip with with kids. If you've got kids, check it out. It's um, awesome. I've got great kids I can do this with. If you've got kids, check it out. But anyway, I know we're going to move along quickly, but all the tips are good. So I'd say look them over. But that's your favorite. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and yep. John, I know this is our gift guide yep. in, in the now. Um, I would, I'm just wondering if there's one in particular that you think is worth shouting out. I know which one I kind of like. Well, uh-huh. I, you know, I really, I just so impressed with the um, book. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Book of Difficult Fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that really stuck out in my mind as a, as a really good read, a really quick read, insightful. And um, it's so funny because, um, like, there's a H is hedge balls and talks about what the heck are they? Why do they show up this time of year and whatnot? What do mm-hmm. you do with them? 
And sure enough, you know, there's a whole, a whole essay on, on hedge balls. And I look at them with great amusement <laughs> at the grocery <laughs> store now because it's like, wow, so they, they do. I've always wondered what we're supposed to do with them. Well, and then that- I was recently down in Georgia and, and uh, I had gifted my daughter the um, beer caddy for the show. Oh, <laughs> cute. <laughs> Yeah. Cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some good gift ideas in there. I agree. Um, I'm a big fan of the Run Amok because I just like their product a lot. The yeah. the maple syrup and and they let us um, publish one of their recipes, so that's really nice. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, good stuff. Really good stuff. Um, seasonal kitchen. Ah, it is cookie season, so we did cookies. And um, there's a cherry almond rugula to open it up. Then a white mm-hmm. chocolate chip cookies with cranberries, peppermint Florentines that John did. They're like, um, well, I guess they're Florentine, but they're lacy, kind of crispy lacy cookies with some chocolate and um, peppermint on them. Uh, and then Robin did uh, double duty. She did the orange raspberry cookies, which are chewy and they have this beautiful crust and crunch, I should say, of um, some beautiful sparkling sugar on the top. And these, aha, I love a spice cookie. These chocolate spice peekaboo cookies were just delicious and lovely. And they are beautiful. And um, yeah, and if you need to learn about uh, cookie cutters, we do have that covered later in the issue. So all of these were, were delicious. Who doesn't love a cookie? Right. Something good for the family or if you're going to do a cookie exchange. Yes. Right. Right. Yep. Some new things to try there. Well, and I, I so like I the chocolate wrong. spice, the peekaboo cookies, because they're an alternative to Linzer. I've never been yeah. a big fan of Linzer, but oh, okay. I like that style of cookie. I, I think it's a clever sure. uh, procedure and whatnot. So I was really uh, pleased with the... Oh. They're just stunning looking. And yeah. I like that you did a peach preserve and not kind of with the Linzer, more of a raspberry, which I think sometimes does mm-hmm. maybe take over a little bit um, mm-hmm. for the um, for the rugula. Well, cherry, it said it, cherry almond. So um, oh, they were good. You can't go um, with those. <laughs> the, yeah. All, and you can easily. Yummy. That's what I, I just like the variety. I really do. Um, okay, speaking of cookie cutters, John tested yeah, and were. tested and tested cookie cutters this issue. And, um, you know, basically anything in particular, really what you had said is they, um, all of them cut soft dough equally well. It's the lifting the cutout cookies off the surface that's the trick to keeping the shape intact. And so, when you're looking for cookie cutters, the tighter angles on some of the more intricate designs come into play. So if it is really got a lot of nooks and crannies and movement to it, those are going to be a little harder to um, work with. Um, yeah. That's um, what I, I found. And, and um, you know, I, I kind of wax on about uh, Christmas uh, cookie stories and how uh-huh. it's problematic. And, you know, <laughs> and then I go back and I go, well, if I just read that tip <laughs> about, the, about uh, using a sheet pan and a, and right, a rack. Right, right. Maybe <laughs> it, it would have been a, been a lot less traumatic. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I know. You, you just sit there and you've got love in your heart. You want to do this great activity with your kids. And then it just turns into a chore. And mm-hmm. that's <laughs> not easy yeah. always. Not easy well, being okay. green. 
Uh oh, that's right. But I will throw this tip out when you're when you're decorating cookies with the with the kids is like, don't get carried away and double the recipe because you oh. will regret it. It just yes. you know it sounds yes. like fun, but by the time you get there, you know you've cut the cook, you made the dough, you've cut the, the cookies out, and you're starting to frost them, and the kids will lose interest, and you will be stuck with the rest of it. So never double the that's recipe for one good, sitting. That's, that's that may be a really one of the best tips. So. Well, I think <laughs> on one, of our, one of our recent social posts um, on the social page, you did talk about um, making <laughs> making cookie dough at home with your friend. Your mom was working, you were a kid, and you decided to double the recipe. And the was, recipe was like five cups of flour. It was horrible. Horrible. <laughs> horrible idea. Yes. And we had to clean oh. that mess up before my mother got home. Yeah. Live and learn. <laughs> <laughs> did she yes. did she find out? Well, she didn't yes. know because I yeah. called her at one point oh. and she's like, You did what? You <laughs> clean that up now. <laughs> You're doing what? Yeah. yeah. So oh. yeah. the size of a working mom, I think, is <laughs> she had to worry about that one. But anyway, that yeah. is my tip for the day is just like it, it's better to have two cookie sessions than to try and do that all mess in one but i hear you there we go mm -hmm. anyway cookies are oh. fun and those cookie cutters are sweet they're no. nice i like the ones that you, you've chosen there john they really are they're they're nice so i'm going to move into cuisine tonight where john um worked on five different cast iron recipes and they're all very unique they're all very comforting is there one in particular you'd like to give a shout out to, John? Um, well, uh, you know, I love all my children. Uh, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, and I just quietly talk to the, the um, tuna salad and tuna oh. noodle casserole. And so it's my favorite. So uh, I, I well, just did not get enough of that. I, 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 I could have left anything behind, but I had to take that one home when we were done shooting. So it's like. So did you eat tuna noodle casserole growing up? Was it a fave growing up or anything? Or because this was sort long, of a really. this was you also had artichokes and spinach, so it was kind of a little bit of a play mm -hmm. on a spinach artichoke dip, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's probably what sent it. No, I I um, fan of as a kid and. Uh, was and I think it was the original uh, impetus for the story was that it was um, shake and bake, you know, oh, hamburger okay. helper, tuna helper, whatnot, all that stuff. But this is that done right and with a variety of uh, foods and generally not mm -hmm. <laughs> high in sodium, <laughs> with the exception of the muffaletta, which oh, hard to get well, around that. It's, it's hard to get yeah. around. So. Um, well, I'll just say, I'll add a funny little um, interesting um, add on there. So I was looking, I, I had just gone to the urgent care clinic um, this morning and um, all's okay. Uh, but I, um, I was, pull, I pulled up Facebook while I was, you know, waiting and um, someone I know from uh, my hometown where I grew up, she's a nurse, whatever. And the, the post was something like, what's something that you didn't like to eat as a kid and still don't? She said tuna fish and apple pie. I was like, what? Really? Wow. Anyhow, it would not be her fave. And I'm like, apple pie, that's just un-American. <laughs> well, good grief. I know. Uh, but to each his own, right? 
Exactly. That's why we do try to give variety <laughs> and and try to um, pace things. If we've done something recently, we do we do try to keep that in mind. Um, it's hard sometimes when it's the season of something and uh, it seems like the right time to do something. And you're like, well, we did that kind of recently. So we have to kind of think that stuff through. Um, okay, this was a Maddie recipe. I'm moving into Test Kitchen Favorites, our article. And it's sweet and savory um, waffles. She did a savory cheese and pastrami waffle, kind of a riff on the sandwich, and uh, did a spicy mustard um, sauce, um, or mustard aise sauce, excuse me, um, to go with that. And there's pastrami in the waffles. And then um, cinnamon roll waffles and red velvet waffles. And both uh, get a nice little dollop of cream cheese frosting or a drizzle or whatever you want to do, um, since they sort of are um, partners that play together really well. So it was nice to use the one frosting for both of those. Um, yeah, and so she kind of basically, she basically took a, a basic kind of waffle recipe and then tweaked it and they are slightly different just because of ingredients so they're not they're they're not exactly the same they're um i know in some she used uh, or gave the option of buttermilk and, and others not and um uh i i don't remember all the the nuances um but anyway worth uh, i would say that if you've got um company coming or kiddos coming this could be something that you consider for your holidays yeah, and, uh, and well positioned for a brunch as well. So yes, yes, or weekend yeah, grandma is, camp. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, exactly. The, what did your kid? What did your grandkids call it? The pancakes. She wanted to know where. Well, we were making pancakes, and she wanted to know where was I was doing it wrong. Where was the uh, pancake snapper? <laughs> what is a pancake snapper? Well, it turns out she was talking about the waffle iron. <laughs> I thought you wanted pancakes. <laughs> Pancakes and waffles are not the same thing. Oh, okay. But I was looking for the pancake snapper. No, we don't, we don't have one of those. That's the waffle iron. Kids, <laughs> out of the mouth of days. Yes, yes. We oh. happily had pancakes that morning. I said, next time we'll have waffles. Well, <laughs> which one do you think the kiddos would go for? The cinnamon roll waffles, I would imagine. I think that they would really enjoy those. Yes. Yeah. I think we'll have to pull those out of the hat next mm -hmm. time. John, were you saying something? Oh, I was just going to say that uh, I was testing a new waffle iron for that photo shoot. And so, you know, you have to burn a couple of them and, uh -huh. you know, to get the timing done right. You know, you don't want to use up all your batter right away. So a few of those got consumed before we started the shoot. So <laughs> yeah, that, it was, uh -huh. Ruben is a little weakness of mine, so... Oh, <laughs> I started with that. <laughs> oh, it was sort of like, oops, not really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like pancakes, you know, the first one or two usually are a little sketch. Mm -hmm. And uh, same thing with waffles. Yes. Um, so it is the season of sugar. So we um, did a dive into sugar and uh, kind of differences and similarities of sugar and different types of sugar. And since we were doing a whole thing on sugar, we thought, okay, how about a simple sugar cookie recipe? Um, and um, 
and, you know, just sprinkled with some pretty sugar and stuff like that and used these were cut out um, sugar cookies. So check out the Wares article again so you can um, see which um, cookie cutters you need. But we kind of get into the differences between powdered, granulated, uh, brown, pearl, turbinado, muscovado, and superfine sugar. Um, talk about best uses and some substitutes. Uh, and here's another one from Maddie. This was and I, this was funny because she had never made asabuco. I don't know if she'd ever had it, um, but uh, so for cuisine for two, uh, this is one of those sort of really date night dinners. I think um, it's beautifully shot, very moody, very elegant. Um, but um, traditionally, asabuco is made with um, veal shank. And um, we decided to go with oxtails. They are more affordable and they are meant to be long cooking like you would an asabuco. And, um, and then there's a beautiful, um, I should say tasty orange gremolata to go on top, very traditional, um, served on top of polenta with mascarpone. And, um, and then you wanna, you know, have a little sweet taste. So this is this is great. I would think maybe a New Year's Eve or a Valentine's Day. You know, this issue is a yeah. this is a holiday yeah. issue um, and a winter issue. So, um, in um, so yeah, so a Valentine's dinner would be really nice. But she did a zabayon with uh, strawberries and um, yeah, um, not much more to say about that unless somebody else wants to jump in there. It was just good. that it, it is a really romantic uh, look and feel to this, and it does. Uh, you know, for years we uh, our go-to starch seemed to be polenta, and then we got away from it. So it was a treat to see it come back, and it, mm -hmm. it's such a, a warming comfort food, and so tasty and creamy. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, and since we've got, you know, several sweets and several um, hearty casserole um, comfort foods, um, and since this is um, start of a new year, we thought let's do a little um, brush up on nutritional know-how. And so um, every year, or not every year, I think it's every five years. Now I'm not going to, I don't know if I it uh, actually indicates it in here, but the... Um, Dietary guidelines um, by the USDA and the American Heart Association are updated um, every so often, but not every year typically. And so this is based on that, as well as um, um, the USDA's MyPlate. But one interesting thing that I saw that was a big difference um, in this in the past, USDA and AHA kind of, they... They used to give you more along the lines of, um, per, not percents, but um, numbers to follow in terms of you should keep your numbers under this or that um, in terms of uh, cholesterol and carbohydrates. They're now going more to a, um, so for example, cholesterol, um, they're saying that it's better to kind of not necessarily stick with a specific number, but try to take a more holistic approach to your eating plan in general. And so, um, and they really do talk about the benefits of a plant-based diet rather than animal-based protein. Um, and um, so I think it's, 
this is an opportunity to maybe consider going like meatless Mondays or um, that kind of thing, or trying to substitute um, some swaps, um, maybe eat some beans. And yeah, it's really about trying to um, up your um, uh, fiber, obviously, um, and uh, complex carbs. Um, but you do want to keep the one thing that they do can they do can continue to talk about is sodium and calories. Um, so depending on your age and your, how active you are, um, you kind of look to see where, what your calories should be. And on, for sodium, they recommend keeping your calories at 2,300 milligrams per day. Um, but if you've got hypertension, then 1,500. So there are some specific numbers that they're recommending targeting there. Well, and I, I think it's important to realize too that they do, they're emphasizing, you know, these are based with the consideration that you need to be a lot more physically active. Uh, yes. Or, or and, what, you know, they're, they're calibrated to your level of activity. So I, I guess that's kind of what I'm saying. I, you are right. And, and I'll just kind of where I did a kind of an overview here. You should eat a wide variety of fruits and vegetables. So try to get variety um, and whole grains and um, healthy sources of protein, such as nuts and fish. Use liquid plant oils like olive oil rather than coconut oil. Choose minimally processed foods. Minimize foods and drinks with added sugars. Um, choose and make foods with little or no salt and minimize alcohol intake. Um, and, you know, try to go for more nutrient-dense foods. The My Plate recommends that you make half your plate fruits and veggies, make half your grains whole grains, and focus on whole fruits and vary your veggies. Kind of basic, simple things, but it is, I think they're trying to not be so stringent and um, require people to track everything so much, but really to change their mindset a bit more. So when you're in the grocery store, Pick up a variety of different colors, fruits and vegetables, and try to go for the whole grain as as opposed to the um, processed, um, so or more processed. Yeah. Um, and so since we're talking healthy, <laughs> let's talk bread. <laughs> mm, bread. <laughs> yes. So mm. we partnered with. Um, we have featured um, the. Um, bread and five um, minutes a day folks before, and this is a best of um, artisan bread. And we identified two to include that seemed seasonal. Um, first is Vermont cheddar bread. This was delicious. And you can also turn the bread into um, breadsticks. It makes four loaves. So about um, less, slightly less than a pound each. Um, so maybe you want to use half of it for loaves and half of it for breadsticks or three of loaves and, um, you know, one for breadsticks. It makes about 30 breadsticks, one fourth of the main recipe. So that's that. And then uh, this one, I'm going to possibly um, not pronounce this tonight. Pan au poteron? Poteron? I'm not sure. Peppery pumpkin and olive oil <laughs> loaf. And this one has a mix of whole wheat flour and AP flour. So you are getting some of your whole grains there. And um, it does also have some vital wheat gluten in it. Um, some You can use pumpkin, um, squash, or sweet potato if you can't find pumpkin. Pumpkin is hard to cut. So um, another squash or sweet potato. 
as an option. And um, John, I'm going to let you talk about the um, soups here that we're moving into. There are um, there's some feast to the seven fishes and um, crab rangoon with water chestnuts and French onion soup oh. with Parmesan croutons that you and Robin worked on together. I can talk about the French onion. You know, I, who doesn't love a good French onion? Well, I guess if you don't love onions, you wouldn't. But <laughs> and I say that because I have a French onions. Onions, onions, la la la. And I went with a, um, you know, um, bread cubes in here. You know, bread, um, and instead of the whole croutons, slice in there, yeah, instead of, yeah, the croutons. So, so they're kind of a, 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 you know, with the parmesan and the garlic and stuff, um, instead of the big piece of bread so it's a little bit different in that respect um kind of easier to cut through and well yeah easier to eat and that's yeah. really what you want to do is gobble that up um, the croutons well yes. <laughs> yeah so i mean i did and if you want you can always make more or you know if you want extra too if you're making them you might as well make extra because they're excellent on a salad as well so just a little food for thought there so that's it about the french onion soup but well, no I, I need to go back and, and clarify um, uh, on the seven fishes uh, stew that um, I had written up the recipe and I had it all in mind and, and knew what I had uh, worked with prior to this. And I, I just thought it would be easier and I was ready to go. Um, and the day before the shoot, I found I had COVID. So. I had to bail on the thing and I left poor Robin and Maddie to uh, figure out what I meant by my uh, recipe. And it, it comes down to this dried mini cheese filled ravioli, which, um, you know, a, a lot of my uh, home cooking tends to be in, uh, impulse. And I checked into my fridge there and in the freezer, um, my daughter had left um, some literally mini tiny raviolis that she'd gotten from Trader Joe's. And they were like, um, you know, tiny. I don't know. <laughs> they were, they were no bigger than Orzo, it seemed. So that's what I had in mind. And um, as, as valiantly as they did. I and, actually uh, did the shopping for this, John. Sorry. Oh, it, was <laughs> it was me. Yes, I did my best. So the interpretation um, of it, well, and that's unfortunate. But yeah, it still worked because um, it's it's in there. It's in the images. But I would say that, yeah, leave that. Um, if you can't find that particular uh, ravioli or whatnot, just leave it out. It's not critical to the recipe. It's just another... Uh, element to make it more stewy, I guess. Well, and I did do some research and there is such a product and I don't know if it was ravioletti is what they called it. I, I might have yeah, gone I to Trader you. Joe's, but that was mm -hmm. um, in researching um, for mini um, raviolis. That's what um, you could possibly find. Yeah. Um, and it certainly makes more sense because when I was, when I was styling it, I thought, this doesn't really make sense in this dish. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't because it wasn't supposed to be there. But you know what? It tasted good. So if you put them in there, you're not going to regret it. It's going to taste good. Well, and you know, but you don't it need goes it. to the, the prohibition of, of uh, cheese with seafood. So right, you know. <laughs> right. But it's still 
<laughs> That's why I, I didn't want it to be a, a main just a main part of this. I just wanted it to be a background. <laughs> well, your soup will not be ruined. And guess what, folks? When you're at home alone in your kitchen and deciding what you want to do, you have carte blanche. <laughs> Whether you want to <laughs> go only with those Trader Joe's brand, or if you find the ravioletti, mm -hmm. or if there is something else, <laughs> it's yeah. okay. This is, as you said, it's impulse, it's inspirational, it is instinct, and have fun. Exactly. <laughs> we, um, okay, so Thanksgiving. Um, we did a honey-glazed roast turkey with some, and the beauty about this, I think, uh, whole collection of recipes is it pretty much is um, not fussy in terms of um, technique. You're not brining, you're not... Um, uh, spatchcocking or anything like that. And so, um, and you can make your gravy ahead, you can make your cranberry sauce ahead and the, the classic bread dressing, you can get that, you know, chop your stuff up as you need to. And then you can kind of get that together, um, in the morning and then just, uh, bake it off when the turkey comes out to rest. So it's a really kind of nice, as far as Thanksgiving goes somewhat of a hands-off, kind of an easy-peasy kind of um, feast. So you might want to give that one a look-see. And um, and if you're looking for some side ideas beyond just the dressing and stuff and faster with fewer, um, we did um, some fast sides. So there's a whole bunch of stuff um, in there that um, I encourage you to take a look at. Uh, okay, lasagna. Whole lot of lasagna love. I'm sure Robin is done with lasagna for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's been long enough that I'm like, you know, I could probably go for lasagna again. Uh -huh. <laughs> but, oh, there's a good. lot of lasagna. <laughs> a lot of testing on lasagna there. Um, yeah, I, I think that one of the best things about lasagna is that you know, it takes a while to make, and especially the one with the bouillonnaise, because, you know, you make that, uh, it takes a lot of time to make a good bouillonnaise, but it's worth it. It's worth it in the end. But the good thing about it is you don't have to do it all at once. That's you know? what I was going to say. You can do it in steps, right? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and that's the good part. And it's a good make ahead and put it together at the last minute or make it ahead and let it sit in the refrigerator overnight if you want to do that. Um, so that's what I like about it. And it's, uh, you know, so the, uh, you know, the three meat lasagna with the bouillonnaise. Excellent. I love that one too. Um, I will, let's talk about that vegetarian lasagna real quick too. Um, you know, when I first saw something about tofu ricotta, I kind of went, what? I don't know. Cause you know, I don't, uh, I don't do a lot of tofu, but I thought, well, I'm going to try this. And I loved it. I love that whole idea. Um, and the other thing about this one is, you know, I've got certain vegetables in there, but you can change it up to whatever you want for as far as the vegetables go. Do your own thing there. Mm. Um, and if you've got some things in the refrigerator that need to be used up, good time to do it. Um, put in there what you like. Perfect time to uh, change that up. So I like that idea in there too. Um, so there's that. And then there's seafood. Yes, that one is the one that I thought was, I mean, they're all delicious, Robin. Uh, and that bolognese is, is 
Oh my gosh. And I eat some vegetarian. So that I'm all about that. And I like that you do have the tofu in there. So there is some protein source too, Uh but the seafood one was just very intriguing. And I'm glad that this came together and um, it's very rich, isn't it? It is. It's very rich. So you don't want to eat, uh, you wouldn't want to eat a a huge portion most likely. Um, And I will note on here um, on the seafood lasagna, I switched the noodle. Um, You might notice that I use the wider no bake noodle. The other ones are the, you know, your traditional looking lasagna noodle, um, but they have a wider one. And I used it in this recipe because of the size of the dish and it fits in that dish in your nine by nine dish Mm -hmm. so much so perfectly. And so you don't have to use that one. If you've got the other one, you know, you make do whatever you want. Um, But there was a reason behind that. So if you, you know, if you're looking at the recipes, you're like, well, why did they change this up? That's the reason on there. So. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I do have one question or not a question. I'm just going to kind of mention this because um, in um, final read, there was a, something was written um, in the deck on the bolognese sauce and it said, talked about three layers. And I said, oh, well then are you putting, traditionally a lot of times you put a layer of noodles on top and that mm-hmm. was a miss. If they're actually, each of these are four layers and there is no noodle at the top. So the noodle amounts are correct. It is four layers. Yep. We didn't call that out. Um, but and um, but you may want to, um, as noted, I think, in, in one of the decks, is that um, it's always good to maybe boil up a couple of extra noodles because if you've got something that tears and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So um, and, anyhow. And if your dish is a little bit wider in some places, yep. you can just fill it in. So... Uh-huh you know, it's flexible and it all comes together in the end. And, and yep, it's, that's the, Mm -hmm. that's why I love lasagna. It's just, I mean, it's, and it's just a collection of all of the good flavors. And Uh um, I mean, you could always turn this into just a pasta dish where you will not necessarily, but I mean, (laughs) if you had a real fail in your kitchen, cut it up, serve it as, you know, a one pot, whatever, maybe. And absolutely. Um, I mean, there's no wrong yeah. way. Because <laughs> it's there's the no ingredients together just taste good together. So exactly. Um, well, Robin, you've been very busy on this issue. And here you are doing um, uh, pork Wellington. And you did them right. a little different. Um, and this one has an apple bur- Blanc, apple brandy Berblanc, and then a nice mm-hmm. little um, squash side dish. But um, you'd used um, tenderloin, and in, instead of doing, which is great, you did them individuals just so they're not quite so unwieldy when you serve it. Um, and um, so then you cut them into pieces, into individual mm-hmm. pieces, and then you halved them horizontally. Well, I did that so that you could just really put the pile that uh, filling on top of the bottom piece, mm-hmm. layer that top piece on top of it. Yep. And you can, you didn't, it was easier to cut it all the way in half. So you could just really put that filling on there. Well, and also it keeps it pro- probably from like maybe getting soggy now just a little. So you've got a barrier mm-hmm. and even, I know you've got prosciutto, but you have a greater right. barrier for the wetter fill. Cause a lot of the filling uh-huh. um, or mushrooms that you've cooked down and gotten this, these are apples. So they do these are apples. Right. release, release more um, juice. Right. So you, you, there's that. And like you said, then you have the prosciutto wrapped in there too. And a little bit of that mustard on the 
puff pastry to just have a little bit of a tang in there. Um, and I would say you wouldn't want to miss out on that on that sauce because it has some flavor, a little bit of a flavor punch in there. So I love I a beurre blanc. Don't yeah, don't miss I, out on that. It's a, it's simple to make and it really brings something to the party there. Um, and then just a quick note, um, you know, about that side dish. I really do enjoy um, that delicata squash. Delicata squash because <laughs> you don't have to peel it. You right, know, right. You yep. can just scrub it up and, and it looks slice pretty. It. It is, and it's so easy to use, and it tastes good, and it looks good. So, um, yeah. there you have it. So, uh, and it comes together really quick. It's a quick little little uh, stir fry there. Um, and uh, back to the Wellingtons, I do what I do like about that is you know they have to refrigerate, so it's a good make ahead thing too. Mm -hmm. um, you can make them oh. early in the day, or you can make them the day before um, as well. So if you want to make it for guests or or your family, either way, I like something that you can do ahead and then it's ready to pop into the oven and the squash you can get everything prepped and it's just a quick little little fry stir fry there you know a little bit of saute okay. so while those nice. are in the oven you can do this little saute and you're you've got your meal going put a little salad there and well and, and one your thing on your sauce too that's a thing that you've probably had it at restaurants or something but it is and it sounds fancy the name you know french name and all of that mm -hmm. it's something that we probably all learn to make in culinary school mm -hmm. um and it is it's interesting because you kind of cook your um liquids down with your shallots and then you're adding just think about this one and a half sticks of butter it's a butter sauce that's emulsified and right. um but with all the flavor of the brandy and the vinegar and the shallots and then you're adding a little mustard it's it's simple it's a little it's a little technique-y but it's it is doable right. and it's delicious right one of the tips that i've always used or i used when i was in restaurants and we had to make uh waltz of beer blanc to uh -huh. menu would be to put just a, a tablespoon or two of heavy cream into the reduction. Okay. And that leaves behind a little protein so that when you do add the butter, it's less likely to break and it still stays oh. creamy. And oh, you know what? I the, like that. And the cream itself has been reduced. So it's basically butter again. And uh -huh. itself, you, just, you just have the milk cells. I don't know if that would necessarily be uh, important in this particular beurre blanc because it has the whole grain mustard in it. But which is an emulsifier, just, right? Yeah. Right, right. So I, nice. It's just a little tip that I've always used, and nice. and like or you tip. can repair a broken beurre blanc with a little tad of, tad bit of cream there. So, uh, if nothing else, folks, that is reason enough to have <laughs> listened to this today because you just got a a real uh, like a chefy technique <laughs> that is not hard, and it just. Saves you from all your hard work if something goes amiss. File <laughs> that one away. That was perfect. Yep. Thank you, John. Yeah. Love it. Um, I'm getting into class now. This was um, this was something different for us, and it was it was great. It's fundamentals of stir fry, and it really gets into um, stir fry is not hard. It really is comes down to preparation. You just want to have your ingredients ready before you start cooking because it goes so quickly and um and we're also not thoroughly um 
tied to a recipe. While we have a recipe base here, you can vary that to your your preference. Um, if you want to use a different um, protein or um, vegetable, that kind of thing. And so this is really a, a deep dive into um, stir frying. And we, we get into um, preparing the meat. And I really do like how um, this has been laid out. And I love the illustrations in here as well. Um, I mean, the, the, you know, the photography is gorgeous. It really is. But the, it's just a really fun talks about, you know, like I said, preparing meats, preparing the aromatics, garnishes, um, kind of a marinade. Um, and then this is a really good one. This is the cutting up the vegetables. We're kind of giving you an idea of what we would recommend on how you prep your vegetables. And then also whether they fall into a slow, a fast, a medium cook time. So you start your stir frying stuff and you're going to start with your slow cooking vegetables first and then Partway through, you're going to add your medium cooking, and then at the end, really just um, latent heat, you're adding in your um, your quick cooking, your fast cooking. So um, great techniques. And um, so then, there, like I said, there is a basic stir fry, but it's got a lot of um, interpretation here. You can really kind of take that on your own. Um, one Two notes, um, if you do want some rice with your stir fry, just um, we say use um, short or medium grained um, and begin that to cook that before you start your stir fry. And um, you can keep that off heat when covered for a while. And with stir frying and really most cooking, and I remember um, actually watching Mario Batali years ago on his Molto Mario or something, cook with your senses. Touch, hearing, sight, smell, taste. You know, the interesting one, a lot of people don't even realize the, the, the auditory, the hearing. If things have changed or you're, I mean, you might smell something burning. Obviously, that's a big clue. Um, or you see something. But really, the hearing aspect, too. Um, so you really do want to cook with your senses in every aspect. But because stir frying goes so quickly, it's even more so important here. Um, just, just kind of be aware and have fun. Um, John, did you want to add anything else? No, I was going to point that out too. Just that I really thought that was, you know, as, as much as the article is, is bent towards what, what we've already talked about, impulse and inspiration, mm -hmm. you know, with what you have in the house and what you uh, prefer. I also think that as, um, emphasis on the uh, five senses was a great, great touch in this article. Same. It's important in cooking. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, well, we've talked a little bit about squashes here. We talked a little bit about pumpkin. We talked a little bit about um, delicata, and this is just kind of a, a kind of an overview of four kind of more common ones. Maybe buttercup is not quite as common, but we get into butternut, acorn, delicata, and then buttercup, and then we mention a couple of um, other squash varieties. And we really are just telling you, um, and those are Hubbard, spaghetti, and turban. And um, I mean, the beauty of, of winter squash is there's avail availability. They pretty much are available mostly year round, but more so now. Um, versatility and interchangeability to some degree. And we kind of try to walk you through that a bit um, and talk about selection and storage. So uh, tis the season. Give it a look, see. I, I 
went to, I bought some delicata last week and um, the checkout woman and the bagger woman were women of a certain age and uh, neither of them had ever seen delicata. And I, wow. I thought, well, yeah. And I explained to them that it's really good. It's easy to work with. You don't have to peel it and whatnot. It was, it was surprising to me, but, um, and, but not surprising. It sort of has come into its own only in the last few years. So I agree. That's right. um, so Robin's back up um, to talk about pierogies. And then John's going to get into the French comfort. All right. Well, let's talk about pierogies. Because my first experience with those were from the Schwann's man. You ever y'all know oh. who that is? You know, he comes, yeah, and they mm -hmm. had them frozen. And I thought, oh, those sound interesting. And they were. Um, but I never thought I would make them um, until this article came along. And it turns out that they're really easy to make. And they're delicious. They're a lot easier and a lot tastier when you make them yourself. Um, it's just a dough. And um, these are a potato filling, a potato and dill. Filling, mashed potatoes and dill. Uh, I would say you should try these if you have any kind of a, if you like that, you know, if you like pierogies, you should try to make these. The first time I made them, they were a little bit tricky to, you know, to, to form, but that's just because it's something new, but they're not hard. And I encourage everyone to try them. Um, you can serve them traditionally. I think they're, you know, at what you boil them, you can eat them like that. But I like them with a little bit of a saute on there. I like them a little bit browned. Um, I like that little bit of crunch. And that there's nothing wrong with eating them that way either. You can find them both ways. So that's how I prefer them. And we like them that way in the test kitchen. So give it a whirl. That's good. That's what I'm going to just say. Give it a whirl. It's not hard. It takes a little bit of time and not a terrible bunch of time. And you're going to be glad you did. We have been talking about putting pierogies on our rotation into the magazine for a long time. And um, since the uh, war in Ukraine earlier this year, there was a lot of restaurants um, that have been trying to feature some um, uh, dishes that are uh, more commonplace or they're using sending, I think, proceeds, um, one of them being pierogies, um, another borscht, I think. So that was part of the reason also we wanted to. We had, we had had these on our list, but even we really wanted to add them more so given all that's going on there. Um, I hope exactly. you're not folks out there. I hope you're not offended by that commentary, but we felt it was a good time to add them in. Um, and let's let's travel now to France. <laughs> yeah, this was, um, well, let's just say that, you know, when you get to develop your own stories, you get to... Uh, Make what you'd like, and it turns out I like all of these. These it's a lot of my favorites. Uh, the Coquille Saint Jacques has always been a, a perennial favorite of mine. And the, the chicken itself is is just pure comfort and deliciousness. Um, but ultimately, it's the simplicity of the tartine that just gets me. I I keep coming back to that. It's so easy, so quick to put together and so fulfilling as a um, dish, just a quickie. And, you know, it's toast, but man, is it glorified. It's, <laughs> it's a good vehicle for uh, some good cheese 
and you feel good about, you know, oh, I had spinach with all that cheese. <laughs> there you well, go. and it's a beautiful image that it is on the back cover. It's, um, and then John, you found a cute quote <laughs> by Liz Levin. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I believe all anyone wants in this life is to sit in peace and eat a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what John I'm I'm looking at this I'm thinking I'm gonna I think I'm gonna give this a go really um yeah yum. Oh. yeah you know I uh, if with you, some of Robin's if sourdough office, well if you stop by the office then there's also um a lot of Serrano ham there oh so. okay sounds good <laughs> um and there'll be a lot of sourdough tomorrow I'll pop in. Right. <laughs> um, and our second book um, collaboration, this issue has was with um, Kevin Belton. He's a um, PBS chef, and, um, and this one is cooking Louisiana flavors from the parishes of the Pelican State. He's he's got a great following, and his recipes are wonderful. Um, I'm just going to say chicken and dumplings, uh, duh, mm. <laughs> and. Um, and then we did cane syrup cake. It's a um, Cajun Creole product, the cane syrup. Um, it's uh, Steen's cane syrup. And um, so it's kind of a, a spice cake with some powdered sugar frosting and um, very simple, but um, very um, New Orleans. Uh, I shouldn't say New Orleans, Louisiana. <laughs> I think that there are recipes from every parish in the book, pretty sure. Um, this is something that, uh, we have gotten a lot of, sorry, moving into the next, um, article, um, breaking down measurements. Um, we've noticed that, um, when people come to our website, there's been searching for how many ounces in a cup, how many, there's a lot of questions about measurements. So we decided to just break them down. It's a, um, uh, and and I believe we yes we just put um, an article up on the website that um, um, that you can do a printout um, of this uh, the right hand page. So it talks about um, for dry and liquid measurements as well as butter. And um, there was some discussion about whether we would do butter or not. My big reason and, and Maddie and I both agreed on this. Um, not all recipes call for butter in the same way. Some are calling from them for them in cups, some of them in weight, and some of them in tablespoons. And so this was just kind of a, a snapshot, so you don't have to pull out your pat of butter, and which I do. <laughs> um, but yeah. dry, right, um, it really you know. So um, a cup, uh, if you don't know, an eighth of a cup, which is a half of a quarter cup, um, is two tablespoons, and that's one ounce. So that's for dry measurements, and we talk about how you should. Um, measure. So to measure dry ingredients accurately, you're going to use the back of a, like a straight edge, maybe like the, sorry, a straight edge, like the back of a knife to level off the ingredient in the cup. And for liquid measurements, um, a big one is um, you want to get at eye level because you want to see where the bottom of the meniscus is that hitting the line of your measurement that you want. So you don't want to be below the line and have the, let's just say, think of like a smile, like a, a smiley face. Your liquid has a little bit of a smiley face. So the bottom kind of center part, that's the bottom of your meniscus. So you're looking for that to just sit right on top of at that line. 
um, that you're measuring, um, not the ends, not the your. I'm, the I'm pointing, not the grin. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then last but not least, um, uh, we talked about tablespoon and teaspoons. Uh, some people know this, some people don't. A tablespoon is simply three teaspoons and simply then a one and a half tablespoon measurements is um, four and a half teaspoons. So uh, simple to the point, but hopefully um, beneficial for, for everybody. It's I think that's one that you might want to either go to the website and print it out or just tear this page out of your magazine um, or flag it. So for quick reference. Uh, okay, so cocktails, um, red all over. So given it's um, uh, kind of the red season with um, Christmas and uh, Valentine's Day, these were four um, red hued Cocktails, two were hot and two were cold. Uh, there's a Bishop cocktail and there's different iterations on this. Some people call it kind of sangria-like, but this one is um, pretty traditional, I believe, um, with white rum, red wine, lime juice, simple syrup. Uh, Van Brulee is simply an Italian um, kind of mulled wine. Uh, the Boulevard d'Air probably is my favorite. I don't know. Me, I don't know. Um, but that's a little bit like a Negroni, but it's got bourbon in it. So a little more in keeping with the season. And um, hibiscus and pomegranate both are pretty popular. This one's fairly tart, but it is um, uh, a Ñejo or Reposado tequila and um, some ginger liqueur are um, what go into this um, cocktail. So check it out. Um, and then we get into phyllo. So this, we've got a, an all about, about handling phyllo, what it is, how to, a couple of ways to work with it, um, both in the buttering part and also a couple of options for folding or making cups. And then John, you did four kind of amazing recipes with phyllo. Um, the opener, I'm just going to say, is Bananas Foster Milfoy. Milfoy, is that correct? I did take French. <laughs> um, I that. It was so long ago. <laughs> I know. Two weeks of culinary French does not make you <laughs> fluent. Um, that, that's me at CIA. Uh, anyway, uh -huh. Yeah. These are um, fun to do. I love phyllo. I'm a phyllophile, as the mm -hmm. uh, headline is there. Um, so this is a treat for me to work with, and even more so um, with that cute little uh, deckhead there, G G Wiz or G Wiz. <laughs> um, you know, Thanks. I'd worked at the Greek fast food uh, restaurant, and we'd have to prep, uh, you know, acres of phyllo at a, at any given time, and one of the things that we used was clarified butter and it was always kind of a pain in the butt to uh, clarify butter and you know lo and behold the you know, Indian subcontinent has been using it for you know, millennia as far as I know and so it was been really made it a lot easier to be able to just use some clarified butter uh, and some ghee in this and it it made it a lot easier yeah, uh, a lot more approachable, and and, um, and yeah. um, it's hasn't been that many years that you actually would find ghee that 
uh, frequently at the store. It is pretty commonplace right. now. You used to have to really go to a specialty store or or and or figure out if you were in a really big market, you'd probably be able to find it. But now it is pretty much everywhere or most places, yeah. I should say. Well, yeah. and it used to be, or it is, you know, would be confined to just the ethnic uh, food section. But now right. I'm seeing it a lot more often and just with the oils. Right. You know, right. olive oil and the vegetable oils and all. So the teropita, the cheese pies, uh-huh. are great to have um, a batch of those popped into the freezer. You know, I nice. them, stick them in a bag and, you know, boy, you're stuck for a snack on saturday night or somebody pops up mm. they're a quick bake and right. they are so tasty so nice um and one thing you did do um too is you used um for the phyllo tartlets with the modern mincemeat which i think is really oh. cute and how you did that but you used um kind of pre-made shells so maybe as your opener in you know foray into maybe working with phyllo if you don't want to um if you're a little intimidated, this is a an easy thing to to kind of dip your yeah. toe in the water. Yeah, a good introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so fast with fewer. I kind of mentioned this earlier. We've got um, kind of seasonal side dishes, and um, they all come together quickly um, with not a lot of ingredients. Um, Robin and I, she took the heavy lifting. There's um, mashed cauliflower with brown butter cream Swiss chard with bacon, kind of a riff on um, cream spinach, uh, roasted carrots and Brussels sprouts, and a butternut squash gratin. Um, anything in particular yep. you want to? Um, let's see. I will just call out on the roasted carrots and sprouts. Um, mm-hmm. A good way to get that done quickly is when you're preheating the oven is to put that baking sheet in there in sure. the oven while it's preheating. So it's nice and hot. And when those veggies hit that hot pan, they're gonna they're gonna just start that roasting Fizzle. process right away. So, you hear it. We talked yeah, about you're that. Hear right? it. So you know yeah. you'd be careful because mm-hmm. you are using that hot pan, but right. it just gives you that little bit of a head start. And that's just a little tip to get things going quicker. And I will also say that Robin and I both employed a similar technique to again get these done kind of quickly. The recipes, since there is a you know we're trying to um, help you out in the kitchen and and not make it a long process, but um, we're using the microwave. So in the cauliflower and in the uh, butternut squash um, recipes, we are um, putting our uh, vegetables into a microwave-safe bowl with about a half inch of water or whatever and then covering the bowl and then microwaving um, for the, uh, you know, recommended period of time and then draining. So that's just giving the the ingredient a head start. And that is so you can um, get these done in the time that we are, um, we've allotted here. So that's a nice, and you know what? That's a good little tip anytime you're trying to um, uh, kind of shorten some of your bake time for ingredients like, um, uh, that use a slower cooking vegetable like that, that are a little more dense and a little harder. So, um, right. right. And with the cauliflower, you know, you, you're steaming it and then you just don't have to get out the steamer on the stove. So it, it, it's just easier, less right. mess. Right. You're getting that head start, like you say, and, uh, you know, shortening your cook time and it's just less messy and, you, and easier. Yeah. And you could do other things while that's in the microwave doing it. You cu- yep. you're chopping other things up, and 
just yep. going about your business. Just um, making life easier. Yep. So ask the editor. Um, I'm just going to maybe call out one here. Um, and it's about chilling cookie dough. Um, and, um, since we do have several cookie recipes in here and we do talk about chilling dough, um, basically, yes, you do want to chill it. Um, it's, um, the dough is firmer and easier to work with. And, um, especially if you're doing something that you're maybe rolling, um, out. Um, so, you don't want the the dough to kind of stick to your rolling pin or something like that, or smushing under cookie cutters, as we talked about that. Um, and um, you know, sometimes it's it's hard to manipulate unchilled um, cookie dough. Um, it spreads more, and um, especially if you're using butter. Um, and then um, they have a greater consistency. And, um, so like we have a picture here of the pistachio pinwheels, which is on our website. And so you can go to cuisineathome.com for that recipe as well. Um, but you know, you've got a, a log there. If you're, you have to slice that and if it's really soft, it's going to mush and you're not going to have the pretty round shape that you want. Um, so it is, um, you know, that's a good time to like put the stuff in the, the refrigerator or most, a lot of recipes, you can come back to it the next day if you don't want to have mm -hmm. to deal with it um, right away. But you could pop it in the fridge for whatever period of time, clean up your mess, clean up that flour, <laughs> especially if yeah. you made a double batch, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> yep. I am going to now. It never hurts to put that dough in the refrigerator. Exactly. Um. Okay, pièce de résistance, um, opera cake. This was. Kudos. I'm just saying. I'm just going to call this out and say kudos to you, Pam. You worked oh, okay. really hard on this, and it is a beautiful cake. But I know yes. you. I don't think people can understand how much work you put into this. Um, well, I think I stress more results. about. Thank you. I think I stress more about the decoration because that is not my forte. And um, so I opted for something pretty simple. And I, I will tell you what I did here is I took a, um, a stencil and I, and I actually um, cut out, I traced some parchment paper. And after the, the cake has chilled with the ganache on top, it's much better to then work with it because when you pull it up, you're not going to get a bunch of ganache stuck to your um, parchment. But then just lay it down and then just take a, um, and so I used edible luster dust. And um, traditionally, you'll find gold leaf maybe, or a lot of people will write the name opera in um, either gold leaf or ganache. Um, or not gold leaf, they might do it. At a, I'm not sure they are. Um, one being gold leaf, but I think it's ganache. They'll write the name. Um, again, I just kind of went for simple and, um, yeah. And then after you've sprinkled your, your, uh, edible luster dust, you just pull the, um, tracing C and I use C for cuisine. You can use whatever you like. You can write opera, you can use your initials, you can use your name. Uh, and then there are all stencils too, where you can do a pretty design. And if you've got greater uh, decorating skills than I, you can probably do something uh, much more fanciful than I did. But opera cake, um, I think I've seen this on um, British Baking Show and then came across it elsewhere. And so it is a almond flour um, cake, base cake, and it's 
pretty standard. It's um, you're doing a meringue um, to as your leavener in your cake, and you're doing three, and it's traditionally square. And I made my life easy. You do see some recipes out there that will bake it in a baking sheet. Um, I used three eight-inch square baking um, cake pans. That I highly recommend that. So then you do not have to bother with cutting or dividing or anything like that. You've got three cakes already done for you. So you made your cake, and then you're going to, um, on top of the cake, you brush an espresso syrup. And um, it's a layer, so you do, each layer gets some of the ganache on it, or sorry, some of the espresso syrup. And then your first layer gets a coffee Swiss buttercream. Um, you don't have to do a Swiss buttercream. I opted to do a, a Swiss buttercream. Um, and uh, it's a little more stable. And um, it, and I love, myself, I love um, coffee-flavored um I've done a lot of desserts here. I've done a lot of coffee-flavored ones. So, Kel Sapuri's, I've jumped at this one. Um, and so, it is a, it's a really nice frosting. Um, and so, first layer gets some frosting on it. Then you put your second layer on, put some of that espresso syrup. Then you put your ganache on. And some recipes do a ganache plus then a glaze, a chocolate glaze. To make life easy, as others have done too, I'm using the ganache on two layers, but you use the majority on top of the second layer instead of it instead of having buttercream. So it goes the syrup and then the ganache. You put the final layer on. You um, brush it with espresso syrup. Use the 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 rest of the half of the buttercream, and let that set up. I believe I don't remember fully. And then you um, uh, get your ganache. You just pour it in. Uh, pour it. Excuse me warm it slightly into the microwave just so it's a little pourable and then just pour that on top so you have a nice smooth surface and um and then chill it and then decorate it and you do not have to decorate it and then you you cut the sides so it's the un, the sides are unfrosted and um it just makes for a nicer presentation so maybe you should explain what luster dust is well, you, if you know what it is, it's it's edible luster dust. I mean, it's gold. You can find different flavors. I got it at uh, Michael's. I believe. Well, actually, I did buy some at Michael's, but they were out of. They only had a spray one, and I didn't care for that. It just I didn't have the control that I wanted, so I got some on Amazon, and it is edible. It is. Uh, so I don't even know what the the composition of it is but it's basically mm -hmm. um it's finer than glitter right and it's yeah, edible yeah. so just just right. to give somebody an idea yeah so it's finer than I, the glitter I, if it needed a reference is all uh, yeah. for people that are unfamiliar with it i thought so. yeah and you can otherwise get it online, Pam, i'd or... say your uh, your piece de resistance was a tour de force so it would it would make some i would say that's a really nice um for a holiday table or for New Year's Eve or um, something along those lines, um, or anytime really. If you are a fan of chocolate and coffee, this one's for you. Absolutely. And it's doable. The nice thing is too, you can break up the components and you make them um, piecemeal. You do not have, I've, I've made it full on straight through. That's kind of, that's a bit of work, um, but it's it's better when you do piecemeal it. So. 
uh, make your cakes, let them cool. You can wrap them um, and let them sit. You can make your buttercream that can um, rest in the fridge. Same with the ganache and the syrup. So it does not all have to be done at one time. Um, and then when you're ready to assemble, take a breath, get yourself organized and then do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, and guess what? If it doesn't quite turn out, turn it into trifle. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the answer. You can't go kind right. of like it's sort of like the lasagna I was saying before that, you know, just it'll be OK. Um, it'll be OK. Uh, all right. That's the journey, kids. Um, so uh, we've enjoyed having you along for the ride on this podcast. And um, as I said, we may be back in 2023 to do some issue run throughs. But um, anybody have anything to say? Well, I just was going to say that this issue, if you look back, you know, on, on the visual index alone, it's uh, uh, it's just rocking the classics here. We've got yes. everything covered. It's just amazing, you know, our mm -hmm. lasagnas and turkey and Wellingtons and French it, comfort. French, <laughs> exactly. it just goes. It just goes. Coquille Saint Jacques. All mm -hmm. of it is just really a, a, a compendium of classics. So. Here, here. Um, and we hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed putting it together. These um, expanded issues, I mean, as, as many of you know, um, we put out the expanded issues during the season when we think that you most want to have that. So summer when a lot of people are doing a lot of kind of entertaining and the holiday winter. So there's a lot here. Good stuff. So, uh, you know, always check out CuisineAtHome.com. Subscribe to our newsletter. You can go there and sign up until potentially the next time. If not, thank you for joining us. And uh, always, we'll... we've appreciated it. Yes. Thank you. Visit our site to learn about special offers, new products, and more for purchase. We offer live cooking seminars from pasta making and cast iron cooking to pie baking and stir frying techniques. Our special interest publications feature recipes centered around certain topics like feel-good food and slow cooker dinners. We also offer custom Cuisine at Home branded kitchen tools such as aprons, cutting boards, and bench knives. Shop all of our offerings at CuisineAtHome.com. <laughs>